Welcome to HJ Talks About Charities, a dedicated podcast series from our charities team at Hugh James. In this podcast, we talk about topical issues and the latest developments affecting charitable and not-for-profit organisations to help provide some practical guidance to ensure they run effectively. We are lawyers, so we will touch on the legal standpoints surrounding the topics, but don't worry, we'll keep the legal ease to a minimum. Hello everyone, I'm Roman Kubiak, uh, Partner and Head of Legacy Will and Estate Disputes here at Hugh James, and I'm here with Vlad. Welcome Vlad. Morning, how are you doing? Very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Um, yeah, the, the Charity Commission issued some guidance regarding how to report a serious incident. Um, it's probably nothing new, I don't think, in the grand scheme of reporting requirements for charities, um, but it does provide some in my mind, helpful guidance. Others have thought that it perhaps hasn't helped as much. There's been some sort of discourse on this, hasn't there, Roman? Yeah, there's... Um, I mean, what, what they've done here is, obviously, the serious incident reporting guidance that they released, that was back in 2014. Here, what they've done is they've looked to expand on one particular aspect of that, which is reporting serious incident when it involves a partner. And I think that's the guidance that was obviously released just before Christmas... Um, has been picked up on by by many within the within the sector, of course, um, and it's just it as you say it kind of expands on the previous guidance. So it's nothing new. Mm. Um, it just looks to well the purpose of it is really to provide some clarity. But as you say, some people have taken a different view, and no doubt we'll obviously have a chat about that in a little moment. Um, so I mean, it probably is a good idea. And I know you know most people listening will know about this, but to sort of look at what exactly is a serious incident. Yeah, that, that, that's right. Well, the, the test is is pretty wide, to be honest with you. Um, it can be actual or alleged, uh, and it results in or risks significant harm to people who may t- come into contact with the charity uh, through its work. For example, staff members, uh, volunteers, beneficiaries. Uh, it can also involve you know, the, the loss of money or assets, um, damage to property, uh, and harm to a charity's work or, or reputation. Um, I think the word significant is perhaps being drafted in a, in a relatively loose manner, so it, it depends upon the context of each charity. Uh, it counts for the size, staff, operations, and, and reputation, really. So um, it kind of provides a, a real blanket coverage for the whole sector. I think it takes the the, the, the guidance is... It's much like you, we've seen with a lot of regulators now adopting which is less prescriptive it's Mm. more down to giving autonomy to the trustees to take a view on what they consider to be material or significant Um, but you know I mean this seems to to come off the back of a couple of things really I mean the first thing is that serious incident reports themselves have increased and there's been a notable increase I think last year there was a an increase of about 30 odd percent Mm on the year before of serious incident reports to the Charity Commission. Uh, a lot of that came you know, off the back of the widespread uh, coverage of sort of the safeguarding scandals and and that really led to an increase by charity trustees very prudently in re- reporting serious incidents. But despite that, the Charity Commission was still concerned that only one and a half percent of charities had submitted a serious incident report since the first guidance was published. Um, I mean, you can look at it one of two yeah. ways, can't you? It's you know, is it a bad thing that only one and a half percent of charities have reported, 
you know, does that does that, is that testament actually to the fact that there haven't been many serious incidents, or on the flip side, does it just mean that there's a culture of underreporting, and is that itself because there's a lack of information about what constitutes a serious incident and about perhaps trustees who are less so fair with the role and their duties and responsibilities, perhaps knowing and being aware that they have this they have this duty. I mean, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, trustees have a statutory duty to have regard to the charity commission's guidance mm-hmm. so you know it's not just an obligation it's it's a legal duty that they have to, they have to comply with that's right and and obviously the, you know the, the failures to report the consequences can be can be relatively uh, serious um you know it, it can be an offense under the charities act 2011 and could lead to regulatory action um but i suppose the the fact that further guidance is being published, I think, is welcome news for the sector insofar as it provides that extra clarity and information. At least there's documentation out there for people to have a look at, especially trustees, if they're uncertain in the circumstances. Uh, there's a really helpful uh, table, in fact, on uh, published online in the Charities Commission, which gives you an example, really, of deciding what to report and what not to report. So, in, in, you know, in the context of, of, say, you know, our line of work, legacy disputes, um, it quite clearly says if there's been an unverified or suspicious donation, that, that is, for example, a large legacy left in a will received via a solicitor dealing with probate on condition the donor remains anonymous, they say that's not sufficient to warrant a, a, a safeguarding report. Yeah. I guess, you know, from our point of view, solicitors, we need to make sure that there's no, you know, money laundering concerns there, you know, things like that. But... Um, I guess as as a as a law firm, we can provide that comfort mm. if we're paying out. You know, we we do our due diligence, and I guess that that takes sort of it's it's one step removed for the charities there, isn't it? That's that's right. That, that that's very much so. And and other categories of reportable incidents um, can include protecting people, safeguarding incidents, um, financial crimes, which are becoming all more prevalent now as as we're sort of becoming this online twenty uh, first century society. Um, other significant financial loss, whatever that may be, whether you know it's it's regular money disappearing out of cash tills, um, or whether it's it, it's large black holes in in accounts. Um, but this table has has been available. You know that came with the original guidance, didn't mm. it? Back in back in twenty fourteen. So we look at one aspect here, which is involving reports of serious incident with a charity, which involves a partner. So you know a when we're talking about partners, the guidance again, it's clear that you know what it means by a partner is a delivery partner, a subcontractor, it's a subsidiary trading mm. company of the charity, an organization that receives funding from the charity, or another charity organization that's linked to the charity for you know, example, as part of a federated structure, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's so, right. You know, in terms, so that's what we're looking at in this context in terms of you know, so receiving money and so on. The charity still, they, you know, they have a duty. You know, while some charities aren't generally subject to anti-money laundering le- legislation, they have to comply with the Proceeds of Crime Act. Um, but this is almost, in a way, with partners, you're looking at almost funds going out mm. from the charities rather than coming in, aren't we? We're looking at, um, let's say, you know, companies and partners who are, let's say, contracted by the charities to provide services to good services and so on which then has a potential impact on that charity so what the guidance has done is it, it sort of boiled this down to three pithy mm. categories of incident hasn't it really what so you know, if we take a look at those really yeah the, the incidents that involve the, the charity's funds brand people or an activity that it funds or is responsible for 
Um, that's one of the, one of the categories. Um, and that one is they, they call it. That's the highest risk, yeah. isn't it? That's um, that's your DefCon five style uh, incident, isn't it? Really. So that looks. At, so that's what that's close links between a charity and the incident, isn't it? Yes, that's right. And and one of the examples that provided is, uh, for example, a delivery partner of the charity is alleged to have links to uh, terrorism or or extremism, um, and that's that's in that sort of high category, the the, the top bracket, really. And the guidance says there, doesn't it, that it's, it's a matter for the trustees to decide whether an incident is serious enough to be reported. Um, but I think this is where perhaps it's caused some confusion, Be was that says the starting point should be if the charity trustee would have reported the incident if it happened in their charity, they should carefully consider reporting any incidents involving partners which fall into this category. I mean, I'd say if it warranted a serious incident report, because it happened in a charity, then it probably warrants a serious incident report if it happens to the partner. Yeah. I think... I, I think it's difficult to see where the distinction is, really. Exactly, exactly. Um, now, I know that, obviously, the criticism which has been levied about this guidance, I know in particular National Council for Voluntary Organisations has criticised it by saying that it, it does nothing to provide further clarification. Um and so Elizabeth Chamberlain, who's the acting director of public policy at the NCVO, um, said that really, you know, it doesn't do anything to provide further clarification and it won't help charity trustees decide what incidents are to be considered or the level of seriousness required to report anything. Um, her concern is that actually what it will do is simply cause, you know, and it probably to use a bad pun, but, you know, it, it opened the floodgates for serious incident reports, which... Given the recent storms we've had, it's probably a, a poor choice of words, but um, but topical nonetheless. We do love a bit of weather. But the point you were making, Roman, is really the NCVO were saying, look, hang on a second, is this the potential floodgates? Now, the Charity Commission responded um, almost immediately to say, well, look, to be honest with you, this is we're only really interested in incidents that materially affect a charity, so not all incidents need to be reported. Now, I appreciate that doesn't necessarily help because perhaps trustees want... Ah, this is example A. This is example B. This is example C. But ultimately, as we as we touched upon earlier, it's to their discretion, and you just need to consider all of the relevant salient factors and work out what sort of impact it may have. And sometimes, perhaps, to err on the side of caution if something's very significant, and if not, to seek some 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 assistance from someone who would be able to help. I think you need to be careful in in, in giving a, a list of examples, mm. and because. There are always going to be exceptions, and what this does is it, is it gives the trust. And the point is, you know, trustees have this. It's not freedom; they have their duties and their obligations, but it's for the trustees to exercise them. You know, they can delegate certain functions, and I guess you know, and that, and that comes to another point, which we'll come to. But we've got the, this high risk category. Then we've got the, the sort of the DEFCON three. I mean, the, the mid, the mid level or the mid risk category, and that's that's slightly different, isn't it? That's um, where the incident itself doesn't involve the charity's funds, brands or people, but could have a significant impact on the charity. Yeah, that's that. That's right. Um, there, are, there are a number of sort of subcategories to this as well. I mean, it may still be reported if it's likely to cause material reputational damage to the charity, um, whether it raises or is likely to raise material issues, specifically around due diligence uh, in terms of um, whether the partner involved remains capable of delivering the charity work or is actually a con- it continues to be a suitable partner, um, and and lastly, it, whether it's a trigger event really, and the charity con- considers that it's so significant that it ought to really 
cause them to push pause, consider the matter, suspend it, or possibly even terminate the agreement or arrangement. I mean, looking there, and that's, that's another point here, isn't it? It's uh, due diligence. And that's something which, as lawyers, we, we, we hear a lot. And, and it's, almost, it's almost one of those terms which has almost become meaningless because mm-hmm. it's used so often. But you know, due diligence essentially means making sure that you are comfortable and confident. You do all your checks to ensure that you're happy that the, you know, the, 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 person, the, the partner you're working with satisfies the charity's objectives, that you're protecting the charity and as, and as much as you can, you know, issues will happen. You know, mm. Issues will arise. Serious incidents, you know, this isn't going to cause the end of them. This is just, this is telling us or telling charity trustees what to do when they do arise, which they will. Yeah. Of course they will. You know, there's only so much that you can control. And when you're working with third parties, this is going, this is going to be an issue. But it's, 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 it's more, you know, it's in this culture of having everything instantly of, you know, swiping left for no or right for yes. Um, it's about making sure that actually, you know, trustees do take their duty seriously, isn't it? That's right. Uh, well, the charity commission actually on that digital point really, they're, they're proposing to create a digital tool that they set that out in their roundup um, in twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, and it's going to be a, essentially a portal for. Well, they've got it, haven't they? It's just it's in beta form, um, and it's there, and you know that's and that's it. So charities can now log that information online. So you know, it's it's. Swipe right if you're okay, swipe left if not. Yeah, it's, um, but you know, it does make it easier. And the, and the process then is, you know, they're, they're looking to do that, but, or they have done that. But, you know, the point is within the charities, I think the message is it's important to have a procedure in yeah. place for reporting serious incidents. You know, the yes, the Charity Commission have a procedure there and have, a, you know, an online portal, but I think it's important that charities themselves and charity trustees have a formal procedure in place someone that you know that you can go to you know law firms we have our money laundering reporting officer you know so if there's any of the only money laundering queries we go to that person we have a procedure for that and yes there's you know there there are procedures for everything these days but this is important it is important and i think it's important that each charity has its own set of procedures because you know, while this guidance is a one size, it's it, you know, it's attempt to kind of to, it's not one size fits all, but it's out to the whole sector. Every charity is different. Charities, mm. you know, and that's what the point of this says is that what's significant to one charity may not be to another, um, and so it's important to have those procedures in place. And then, of course, there's the final category, isn't there, which is the low non-risk category, which is that the incident doesn't involve the charity's funds, brands, or people, and has little or no impact on the charity. And there, what the, what the Charity Commission are saying is that this doesn't usually trigger a requirement to report. But, it's you know, what they say is that you know, the charity should consider whether there are any areas of improvement or changes. So, and again, that's just about keeping your wits about you, about ensuring that you know what's going on and mm. that actually we respond to any issues, isn't it? That, yeah, absolutely. And, and in those circumstances, if something like that does arise and it's not perhaps worthy of reporting, it nevertheless may be sensible to to review what happened from presenting it again, internal controls, procedures, investigations, uh, and, and seek appropriate help. The the obvious benefit, though, of reporting matters to the Charity Commission, they say, well, why, why should you do that? Well, for, for one instance, if say, the media contact the, the Charity Commission, they can say, well, look, we've already had this report in, uh, the charity is dealing with it very sensibly, yeah. they're dealing with their internal procedures, um, and also that the Charity Commission actually may be able to assist, provide that regulatory advice, the guidance that may be necessary, um, and also 
from from a wider um, sector perspective, if an issue is flagged up, they can look at it and say, well, this is applicable to, to other charities in this particular sector and perhaps provide general guidance. Yeah, because they say, don't they, that the, you know, the report, there are three main purposes for it. And the first one is the commission, you know, needs to ensure that trustees are complying with their duties. Um, the second one is that they might need to provide that regulatory advice or guidance or use statutory powers. And the third one, as you say, is to assess the risks to mm. other charities. Mm-hmm. So no, I think that's you know, I think that's absolutely absolutely right. So that I think that really sums up the support. As you say, it, it's not of itself. It's nothing new. What this guidance or what this you know this latest publication and guidance does is, is looks to give clarity. But you know the, the main message is that you know if if there are concerns or if there's any suspicion that there has been a serious incident, it's to act quickly, isn't it? Yeah. It's you know you, you you need to you need to make a report quickly. Probably that's the best thing to do. You know, trying to trying to deal with it. You know, internally, the longer essentially the longer you delay, the more problems there are going to be. Report it. Report it quickly. Seek advice if you think it's necessary, um, and then and then take it from there. And you know, accept you know or work with the charity commission or the advisors in terms of the guidance and next steps. See it, say it, sorted. I think was the is the is the guidance um, on the London Underground. Wow, that's uh, that, that's that's lovely. And I think I think on that note we'll end there. Thanks, Vlad. Cheers, Roman. If you'd like to take part in the conversation, suggest a topic, or need some further guidance for your organisation, please get in touch at charities at hjtalks.co.uk. For more information on Hugh James and the services we offer, visit hughjames.com or check us out on Twitter at Hugh James Legal.